Hey there, you're listening to the High Power Archery Podcast with your host, Angel Garcia. Join us in exploring the world of archery as we guide you on the path to becoming a better archer. We're sure you will find this podcast both insightful and inspiring while learning valuable tips along the way. Now, here's your host, Angel Garcia. Hello, and thanks for joining us for episode four of the High Power Archery Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to discuss setting up your bow. In particular, what to look for and what to expect when you go to a pro shop or to somebody to set up your bow. Now, there's two different cases that you can be looking at with this. One is if you're purchasing a brand new bow from that shop, normally they'll do the whole setup for you. That's to be expected. But if you already have your own bow and you're going to bring it to somebody to be set up, you know, there's certain things that you should be looking for. Now, obviously, if you're not purchasing a bow from a shop and you're bringing them a bow to work on and to get set up for the first time or just to get tuned up, they're not going to do that for free. And there are certain um, fees and charges that you can expect. One important thing to do is to get it right out front. What is it going to cost me to do this? The last thing you want to do is walk into a shop and say, Hey, I want to set up my bow. And they're like, oh, sure, we'll go ahead and we'll help you. And then they hit you with some massive bill that you had no idea was coming. You had you had the complete expectation that you're going to have to pay for it, but you had no idea that the bill would be that high. So what should you be looking for? Pricing I'm not going to get into, first of all, because depending on what part of the country you're in, or what country you're in for that matter, pricing could be anything from very low to very high. Um, it also has to do with the overhead that they're paying, you know, rent. They have bills to pay. So we're not going to get into what the pricing is. But the experience is what you're going to need to gauge when you receive it from whoever you're going to. So I'll start with, all right, in our shop, when you come in, when you come into us, we have what they call the high power archery experience. You're coming in, you're treated as an individual. In our shop, because we're a custom shop, Everything is done by appointment. So when you come to us, you're given 100% of the attention as opposed to walking into another shop where whoever's trying to set you up may be dealing with other customers at the same time. And if they have a large sales staff, then that's usually not a problem. But if it's just one person working there, they're going to bounce around from person to person and you're not going to get equal attention. And that's not their fault. It's just how their business model works. And I'm sure you could probably ask him, listen, if I want to dedicate time to this, how could I do it? And then there's probably a, a larger fee to do that. But whatever the case is, those are the two types that you're looking at. Bring it to somebody who's going to do a one-on-one -on -one thing or bring it to, to a shop that may not be able to give you 100% of their attention. So let's just use ours as an example and then we'll tell you how it differs from other people. And we're not saying that ours is better than anybody else's. It's just a different type of service. Like I said, you make an appointment. We have a time slot that, that uh, we'll assign you. You come in, you bring your equipment, and we'll start from there. Now, when you come to us, the first thing we're going to do is make sure that the bow sizes you correctly. So if it fits, then there's no problem. If it doesn't fit, the tune's not going to be right. You'll be struggling against the bow the whole time, and we'll both be spinning our wheels for no reason. So what we're going to do is we're going to check the fit. We've gotten past that point. We know the fit is fine. Now we're going to go ahead and we're going to set up the bow for you. Now, if you already have your own arrows, we're going to look at those arrows. We're going to see, 
do these things actually fit, you know, the bow for its needs? And to be honest with you, I see a lot of people coming in that bring the wrong stuff with them. So I just tell them, listen, we can set up your bow for you, but with the arrows you got, it'll never fly right. And I won't set it up because it'll just be one headache after the other. And sometimes it's plain old dangerous because the arrows are like too lightly spined and could blow up. So you can purchase arrows from us or we'll tell you what to get and you can come back to us with the proper arrows, but in no way will we set up a bow that's going to be dangerous or it's not going to tune com- correctly. Let's just put it like that. So now we've, we've decided, okay, here we know what, what poundage you're going to shoot. We'll calculate some settings for the arrows and say you're starting out with a dozen uncut arrows. Well, we're going to go ahead. We're going to cut them. We're going to sand both ends to make sure that they're nice and even. Now, that's kind of important. We're going to do both ends. Because if you don't, when you put them through the cut saw, they could be uneven, and that causes wobble. And I see a lot of shops just go ahead and plunge it into the cut saw and never bother sanding out the end and making it, making it nice and even. And they don't even look at the knock end. But all that causes tuning issues. All that causes bad arrow flight. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to do both ends for you. Now you have a, bi- a built arrow, and we're going to go ahead and shoot it through paper. Now here's a point of contention for a lot of different people. When you shoot through paper, standing five feet away from the paper, you can get a bullet hole. You can also get a very, very false reading. So what do you mean by that? Well, there's a lot of different people who tell you, well, from five feet away, I can make sure I get a perfect bullet hole. I'm like, yeah, but in actuality, the arrow will usually go through its paradox within about seven yards. So if you're just tuning it right at five feet, that arrow probably hasn't started its paradox yet. And if it did start, it could wind up being really bad downrange. So what we do is we usually stand between five and seven yards away and shoot through there. And at that point, the arrow's already worked out its paradox. Now it's going on a straight course and we can see what the true tear is going to be. And we'll adjust accordingly. But even before you get to paper tuning, center shot is everything. You have to set the center shot. Now, some people, they're like, well, 13, 16 is center shot in every single bow. Yeah, for the most part, that's true, except for one thing. The way that the new cam systems are designed, that cam is not always in the same place. Sometimes it's spaced a little bit further to the left of the center of the riser. Sometimes a little bit to the right. If someone's ever worked on that bow before, they may have shimmed it one way or the other. So you have to set your center shot based on where the center of that cam is. So what I like to do is just look right down the center of the cams, line that up straight, make sure the distance is, is equal. That's how I know I got a straight line. And that's what we start out as center shot. We'll shoot through paper, see how it reacts through paper. Make adjustments. When we make adjustments, I'm not moving the rest. The center shot is the center shot. It's the power stroke of the bow. It's where it's going. I could go ahead and move the rest to my heart's content and make anything shoot a bullet hole. Will it shoot straight straight as it gets further and further down the line? Probably not. That's not the way to do it, and it's not the way that we do it. So we'll experiment when we make with cutting the arrows a little. If it's too weak, we'll cut the arrow shorter. If it's too stiff, we'll put more weight on the end of the arrows. Now, this whole process could take up to two hours. And when people come to us 
and they say, well, I want to get my bow set up, I make it clear to them, this is how long it's going to take on average. So they know what to expect. They know what our rate per hour is, and that's it. Now, it seems like a bit much, a bit technical. I haven't even gotten into the whole technical uh, description of what we do as far as the deep down, deep dive of everything it takes to tune a bow to make it shoot properly. And that's for another podcast, and we will have podcasts on that. Now, when you go into a shop, and not so much something where you have an appointment, I'm just saying you go into a shop, a lot of times what you're going to see for their version of setting up your bow is, all right, here, throw it, slap it on, slap a rest on there, put an arrow in, you got your own arrows, we sell you arrows, like I said, to do the chop cut, they might not sand the end of the arrow, they might not, they're definitely not going to do the knock in about 95% of people I've ever seen do it don't do that. And they'll have you stand a couple of feet away from the paper after they sent to set a shot. And they're like, okay, so here we go. Boom. Uh, you got a little tear. They start moving the rest. All right, let's do it again. Got a bullet hole. All right, you're good to go. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Yeah. That happens. And it doesn't... It doesn't mean any bad intentions on their end. Sometimes they're too busy or sometimes they, that's just the way they were taught to do it. I mean, in the retail world, this is what happens. And like I said, if you go to a big box store and they'll remain nameless because there are some good people working there. But like I said, they're few and far between. That's why we went through all that on a previous podcast. They may not even do that for you. They're going to sell you the bow and be like, good luck. I'll put a rest on it for you. Do my best to try to center that arrow. Maybe I'll put in your D-loop for you. Have a nice day. So you get what you pay for sometimes. Sometimes you're a victim of the circumstances you put yourself into. You go to a pro shop that's very busy. Don't expect a lot of personal attention. It's just the way it is. And in a previous podcast, I discussed the best times to go and the worst times to go. Worst time to go is anywhere between August and October. Because it's right in the heat of the start of or the middle of the bow hunting season. They are pounding over there with people coming in, just swamped. I see the same thing in my shop. I get guys calling me. Like, you know, we have our regular target customers and I have my girls that I train. And we're always working on bows throughout the course of the year. So I'll see a little bit of a pickup right before the turkey season. Maybe a week or two before the turkey season, I'll get a couple of calls. They, you know, somebody needs something done last minute. Okay, fine. And then say around, then it's kind of like, you know, mellow. I just have all my target work and stuff like that. And maybe some people shooting 3D and they may, may need a new set of strings here and there. Not a big deal. Then comes July and we start getting hammered. So July, August, worst time in the world to, to try to, Going to a place is not going to give you a dedicated time slot to do this because they just swamped. There's a couple places like they have their whitetail jamborees, as they call them, that sort of thing. You know, they're trying to move a lot of product. It's the, the heat of the season. That's what they're going to do. So if you have 50 people in your shop and you've got four technicians, you don't have a lot of time to dedicate something. So you want to do a base setup, get them going, boom. But if you as a, as a consumer know what you should be looking for, then your choice is either, well, let me see if I can schedule time, dedicate a time with them to do this, or maybe I'm not going to go there at all. 
or I'm just going there to get parts if I need something. But that's about it. So you make your own decision when it comes to that. Now, what do you expect from a setup? Well, that is really going to depend on what you're doing. So if you walk in there saying, I need to get my bow set up, you know, just roughed in. I don't know how to tie a D-loop. They'll tie a D-loop, D-loop for me. They'll bolt on a site. They'll bolt on a rest. I don't know how to set up a drop-away rest. I don't know how to get it onto the cable. I don't know how to put it on a limb-driven rest. They'll do the basic stuff for you. And if that's all you're going there for, and then you can handle the rest, because it, it requires equipment that maybe you don't have, like a bow press, there's nothing wrong with that. And that is completely fine. But you expect to do the rest of the work on your own. So the tuning and that sort of thing. And with the general knowledge, you can do a lot. So I try to teach my customers as much, you know, about what we're doing as we go along the way. You can look on YouTube for some help on how to do this stuff. But like I said before, there's a lot of bad information out there. There's some good information. Trying to discern which one is which is like the impossible part. So... If you go in there looking and your expectation is to get just something set up so that it's shootable and you can get out there and you can handle the rest, nothing wrong with that. Go ahead, by all means, and do it. Um, one concern I do have, though, is a lot of shops, when you walk in and you're going to buy arrows from them because you're getting a new bow or you already have a bow, you just want to get some arrows for it, they say, oh, okay, yeah, you're shooting 60 pounds, you got a 28-inch draw, you need 400 arrows. I don't mean you need 400 arrows. I mean, you need 400 spine arrows, which, okay, there's a lot of 400 spine arrows, but one is not created like the other. And they go according to a tune chart. So there's an arrow safety chart that they have. Each manufacturer produces their own. And what they'll do is they'll look on that chart and they just move across the line. So they'll say, okay, he's shooting a cam, he's going 60 pounds, go down to the draw length, this is how long the arrow is going to be, bam, that's what he should be using. Keep in mind that those charts were developed over 25 or 30 years ago. So they didn't take into account the type of cams that we have today. I mean, back then they were shooting cams that were tiny, little tiny, almost the size of a silver dollar, as Greg Poole puts it. Um, I remember those things. They were shooting wheel bows. Um, now we have, if you're looking at Matthew's boat, big, gigantic looking cams, uh, concentric cams. I mean, these are not the same animals they were. So why would anyone believe that those charts for arrows have anything to do with, with current equipment, but yet from year to year that has stayed the same. So with that in mind, you have to be careful on what you're going to do. My rule is very simple. If you look at that chart and it says that you need a 400, I would go stiffer for one reason. Stiffer, I can take care of because I can add more weight to it. But if I buy something that's too weak, it's a wet noodle when I shoot it out the boat, it's potentially dangerous. So always go with a little bit stiffer than a little weaker. And there's nothing wrong with it. Like I said, you can work with it. If you buy a weaker shaft, you wind up having to cut it to make it stiff enough. If you cut it too much, now it's staying past the edge of the riser, maybe above your hand. Again, a setup that is not worth the risk. So this is the problem that you run into. You go to a shop, this, they just throw the, the formula at you, okay? 
We build the shafts according to what you need to stay safe and then what your intention is. If you're a new shooter, I'm gonna build you a shaft that's heavy enough to go through whatever you're shooting at, if you're a hunter, that's heavy enough to be safe if you're a target archer. If you're looking for it to be a speed demon, that sort of thing, well, I will tell you, no problem. I will show you what the, what the chart says. But if you pick something on that because you're saying, oh, I, I need to shoot 340 feet a second, yeah, it's not realistic, and it'll create an unsafe arrow that's way too light, I'm not going to do it. So there's a couple things up front that we do that other shops are like, oh, if you want to shoot, shoot a 500 spine arrow because you want to get 340 feet a second, by all means, we'll knock it out for you. Like, yeah. Problem is they don't have to worry about you like coming back to them. You wanted speed. They gave you speed. You're out the door. They don't care. And that's a problem with the manufacturers today because they post the speed of the bows, but it's according to an IBO rating, which is shot with a very light arrow at 70 pounds and a 30 inch draw. Completely unrealistic for most hunting situations. In target situation, you get away with it. It'll shoot flat. Um, but again, you have to maintain a certain amount of spine and certain amount of grains per inch to be safe. And we try to keep it in there. And actually we won't build anything that's not considered to be safe. So you know what you're getting when it comes to the tuning. And if you go into a set, like I said, if you walk into a store and they, and you go expecting just a base setup and they do that for you, know that you're going to have a lot of work to do when you get to the field and start shooting. You may shoot 10 yards. It all looks great. You stretch that out to 30 yards and you're off the target completely. Why? Perhaps, and this is, like I said, sometimes it's not of every, not true of every shop, but because to get that paper tune at five feet, they may have moved that rest out of the way to compensate for either a stiff or a weak arrow. And yeah, I got a bullet hole, but when you're shooting out at 20 and 30 yards, that rest is so far to the left that your arrows are flying way off target. So now, in order to correct that, if you know how to correct that, you have to move your rest over, you have to adjust it. There's a lot of ways to, to do that called walk-back tuning which will give you an idea, but if you have an underspined or an overspined arrow, walk-back tuning won't do anything for you. So again, you get what you pay for, you go for your expectations. If you went in there knowing that's what you're gonna get, you come out, you know you have a lot of work. It doesn't mean it's gonna be a complete disaster. There are things you can do to fix it. But again, this is what you're getting yourself into. And a lot of guys go into it saying, I want to be able to shoot bullseyes at 50 and 60 yards the minute I walk out the door. 80% of the time when you go into one of these shops and 90 to 99% of the time when you go into a big box store, you're not going to be anywhere near, you know, ready to go into the field with the tune that they give you going out the door when they do something quick like that. Because it takes time and it takes investment and to do it. And when I say investment, I'm not talking money, I'm talking about investment and the dedication of time to do it. So, when you come to a custom shop like ours, and there's a few like ours around, we're gonna sit there and we're gonna make sure that we do a bear shaft. Now people say a bear shaft. Well, 
I go to a regular shop and they say, they don't even know, you know, why anyone would test with a bear shop. It's stupid. Like, yeah, no, we do that to make sure that it's shooting straight. Because your, your veins correct small errors. However, the veins can also correct things. Poor flight on the arrow, but at longer distances, they're not going to be enough to correct it. So we do it at bare shaft, and if you can shoot a bare shaft at 20 yards and it lands and it impacts the proper way, wood veins, it's just going to be that much more accurate. The difference is that the veins are going to make up for little mistakes that you make. Again, we're talking about tuning a machine, not talking about tuning a person. So tuning a machine, you know, you try to get that, that thing running as good as possible to accommodate any kind of user error, because the machine will do the same thing every single time. We have machines called Hooter Shooters, um, a Coops Bowsmith. These are all mechanical shooting machines. And the only reason I used to prove that is if somebody can't get their act together and it could be they torque their, their grip, it could be a number of different things, I'll throw it on my shooting machine and I'll shoot it. And I'll see what's going on. I have, a, have actually seen setups that are brought to me from other places that could not shoot a five inch group at 15 yards with a machine. And that means that the arrows are completely out of tune or weren't designed for that bow or there's something wrong with the bow itself or the timing and it's not the user. A lot of times pe- people go into shops and they're like, oh no, it's, it's it, you know, they'll tell you, it's not the bow, it's you. You don't know how to shoot this thing. And for the most part, a lot of times it is user error, but there is a percentage of instances where it actually has to do with the tune and how that bow is shooting. One of the rockers might be screwed up. Um, the limbs might be in the wrong order. Yes, it makes a difference what order they're in. For those of you who you know, do the homebrew um, presses and take your stuff apart, nothing wrong with learning, but you gotta put it back together the same way. And I see all kinds of stuff. Believe me, there are horror stories about the stuff that I see walking in. So, you know, user errors and everything, but we get the machine running to the point where that machine is operating at its maximum efficiency, and then we work with you. So, a lot of people find it, well, I guess a little bit out of the ordinary, that when you come to us, and I'm working with you, and and again, it's a one-on-one thing, that I'm watching you shoot, and I'll correct things with your shot, and okay, I've been shooting for a long time, longer than I care to discuss because it makes me feel my age. But sometimes they'll be like, it's just not working. And I'm like, give me the bow. And a lot of us can do this who've been shooting it for a while, even if the draw length is too long or too short. Um, Our form is what makes us shoot consistently. So I'll pick up the bow with the user's permission. Be like, tell you what, can I see what it does? when I shoot it and I'll shoot it and I'll shoot a tight group with it because I can repeat my form every single time. Then that shows them that it's really a user issue. And then we work on correcting how they hold the bow. A lot of times they'll buy a brand new bow that they, you know, with another, from another maker that they've never shot before. You know, they're used to shooting a Hoyt all of a sudden they buy a PSC and they're used to a thicker grip and now it's a thinner grip or vice versa. That all affects the way you're going to shoot. And they don't put two and two together. So I'm trying to explain to them what it is. I used to shooting machine and say, look, 
a machine wise there's nothing wrong with it I shoot it nothing wrong with it when you shoot it, it's because the way you're gripping it you're torquing it um, the way you're holding it to your face the string angle doesn't fit you a lot of different things so we take the time to go over that then once we've gotten past all that you have a solid base does that mean you can walk out my door and go jump in the woods no it does not doesn't mean that you walk out my door and you take that brand new target bow and you're ready to go and go to the Vegas tournament no you still have to go out there and practice with it for a good amount of time so you become accustomed to it and then you know I'd say depending on if you've got a brand new bow and you're bringing that to me and it's got original manufacturer strings on it I'll set your expectations and be like, look, just so you know, you're going to have to come back to me in a couple of weeks. And if, if I did this, the setup for them, whatever, it's going to be included. And I'm going to have to check it to see if the string stretched or anything fell out, fell out of timing. Because manufactured strings, with some exceptions for the most part, are not great quality and they will stretch. In particular, during the summertime they'll stretch a little bit. So that'll throw your tune off, your shots will start going low or something like that. They bring it back to me and sure enough, I'll check it, I'll tune it. And we'll correct it. But these are all things that can happen. Um, the other type of setup that we do is you'll buy a brand new bow from me and I'll measure you out and I'll say, okay, fine. Your tuning appointment for this is gonna be such and such day. There's a lot of work, and I do this for pretty much all new bows. If you really want to come to me and get a brand new bow that day, no worries, you can do it. As long as you understand that you're going to have to probably come back to me to get another tuning done with it, which will be included, but it's necessary. Here's why. You buy a brand new bow, those strings are going to stretch. We have a couple of procedures that we run through. So after we take your measurements and everything, we're like, all right, come back next Tuesday and we'll finish it up for you. In the meantime, between that day when they leave and Tuesday, a lot of work goes into setting that thing up, including setting the bow, doing the initial timing, the initial tune, um, stretching the strings. We have a whole procedure for that um, in a real-time scenario, which people find strange, but I do it and guess what? Strings don't stretch. So I recently had a bow come in last week. Brand new bow they brought to me. It wasn't one that I sold them. I said, fine, I'll set it up. You have to leave it with me. He's like, yeah, take your time with it. So I got to it like a day or two afterwards. And what I did was I set it into my stretching process. And I'll make a YouTube video about that or something later on. But I get into the stretching process and bow stretches overnight. I go to check it the next day and I put it on the drawboard. And I go in and check it to see what it is. Now, it was supposed to be set at 28 inches according to the module position. When I checked that thing, it was at 29 and a quarter. Now, I measured it before I started the stretching process. It was at 28 and a quarter. It is now 29 and a quarter. Just from the stretching procedure, which, mind you, you wouldn't have done on your own, and we use special equipment to do, this thing grew an inch. Now, let's just say that happens normally 
when you're shooting. It'll slowly happen over the course of saying four or 500 shots. So rather than have the user experience that, I do this upfront, I get it taken care of, and I start the tune from there. And when they come to me like, well, they said it was supposed to be on, in the C, C position for it to be 28. I'm like, yeah, no, this thing is in this position because those strings stretch so much that this is what we got. And I'll have the measurements and all that, and they come back to me for their tune later on, you know, just for a checkup or something like that. I have all their measurements in a sheet and in my database. I know where it's supposed to be. It's easier for me to just go back to it and adjust it to where it's supposed to be. You get a new set of strings, I know exactly where your draw line's supposed to be. I set it up, same procedure, boom, you can walk out the door, it's not gonna be an issue. So I keep all that in a database. You buy it from somebody else, they might not do that. All my customers are in my database, I know exactly what draw length they are. I know what needs to be done. So again, it's just an extra level of service that you may not get if you go to a big box store or you go to a, to a uh, pro shop that's very, very busy. So what does this all come down to? This all comes down to expect expectations, like I said. Do your homework, find out who you're going to, check out with friends what's their reputation, and then give them a call before you go there. Say, listen, I'm looking to buy a bow where I already have my bow, but I need some time to get it worked on. You know, what's it gonna cost me? And how much time? And what's the best time to come to them? And they'll be honest with you and they'll tell you. And again, still, even though they tell you everything, keep in the back of your head, what am I expecting? Am I expecting to walk out of there just with a setup so that I can go and tune it myself? Or am I expecting to walk out there with 90% of the job done? When you come to us, I'd say about 75 to 85% of the work is done on the bow. And you have very little to do in the field. A lot of times I will go to the outdoor range with, with them a couple days later and see how they're shooting at long distance and we'll tweak anything over there. It doesn't cost anything extra. That's whether you brought me the bow or not. You know, so have your mindset, know what to expect, and know what you're gonna get. Now, this hasn't been that long a podcast. I know there's a lot of stuff we covered in here, and some people are gonna say, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? And we're gonna put put out some other podcasts to give you some details on how to tune different things on your bow, how to autocorrect things. Um, those are all topics for later discussion, and. When people come to us, I have no problem explaining what I do. This is not mystery science. If you ask me how we do something, I'm going to tell you. And it's not because, you know, oh, it's my secret sauce. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you how it works because I need to, you come back to me to, to create that constant flow of income. No, I'll teach you how to do this. This is what I do. Now, am I going to take the time, like five hours to show you how to reserve something? No. If you want to learn that, I have classes for that. You know, or you can just ask one of my girls when you see them on the range because they're all trained on how to do this. All my shooters know how to do that sort of thing. Again, set your expectations, go in there, get what you want, know what you want, and have everything up front. This way you don't let yourself down, you don't have any surprises, and you know what you're going to be getting. So hopefully this is you know, giving you an idea of what to look for, because this is going to be the time of year where people are starting to think, well, I want to get a new bow maybe for turkey season, or I want to get the new bow to start shooting out their target. So remember, buying a new bow does not mean that it comes with everything ready to roll. There's stuff that has to be done, know what you're getting into, 
and know what you have to do to become proficient with that equipment. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to contact us on our website. Um, we'll be happy to answer anything that uh, you may ask. Uh, you can look for our next podcast next week. Topic for that one we're looking at right now, and I'm sure it'll be uh, interesting enough, but we'll get into that. Until then, be safe, shoot straight, and we'll see you next time.